Welcome everybody to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels. Glad you're with me on this sports podcast that you know and love. It's final time and in the NHL and almost final time in the NBA. We're going to break down both those sports on today's show. Craig Swanson, Swanee returns to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals that feature the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens, how they got there, what game one looked like in that series, a dominant win for Tampa Bay, and how Montreal could come back. Tampa looks tough as they go to repeat. The Habs are trying to resume their run to a title like a team from destiny. We break all that down with Swanee. And then Ryan Souls comes on to talk NBA. We, we didn't record before Giannis got hurt, so that's uh, not included in there. But a lot of NBA talk. Suns Clippers still going. Game 6 in that series is tonight. Hawks and Bucks are tied to all. We break down the NBA as well. It's Craig Swanson and Ryan Souls on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, we got some hockey to update on the Money Mitch Effect. We're down to two teams, the Stanley Cup final. That'll probably never happen again. The Tampa Bay Lightning and the Montreal Canadiens. Craig Swanson is here again. Craig, you've been our, our hockey insight analyst during this run. A run that none of us saw the Canadians getting here. They were yeah. literally the last team into the playoffs, but they're in the final. They're in the final, which gives hope to the Buffalo Sabres. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. They were literally the 18th team to make the playoffs this year. They lost the last five games, I think, of the season. Carey Price had a concussion issue, and they turned it all on. They beat Vegas in probably the biggest upset that I think we've yeah. seen in the playoffs. And and I want to you know give credit to where credit's due with Carey Price being that generational goalie. But to me, the biggest difference is Cole Caulfield has completely transformed this team. Goal scorers, natural goal scorers are hard to come by. They got him, they put him into the lineup, not even in the first game against Toronto, and he's completely transformed their team. Yeah, I, I mean, they have a lot of uh, young players. You know, they're going to yeah. be good for a while, I think. Even the gritty guys, a guy, who was the guy that got? Corey Perry <laughs> just got Corey his Perry. face Ga- foot open. Gallagher, Gallagher. Yeah, Gallagher yeah, last Gallagher. night. I mean, that was just balance issues you know suzuki's a stud as well they've got some really good young they've got a great mix you know and and they added a lot of stanley cup champions mm-hmm. they added Corey perry they added tyler to who scored the yes. big goal to, to win a series except, a round ago except collectively that line was <laughs> minus nine last night they were they were we're gonna get to the series in a sec but they they had a rough one um the vegas series i mean we all expected more from vegas and they're kind of lumped in that group with colorado where all right, what's the next step? Yeah. How can you break through? And, you know, the goaltending thing is what's going to be brought up. The fact that they went with Flurry and then Leonard back and forth, but they just weren't scoring enough goals. Yeah. And they had some big name, high profile, high paid players that just didn't come through in that series. Yeah, their defense, I think, outscored their off or their, their forwards. Yeah, Martinez you was know? scoring goals. Yeah, and, and that was yeah. disappointing. That whole series was disappointing, especially after game one. Game one, the Canadians actually were taking it to the. the Vegas, you know, the Golden Knights. But I thought that was an anomaly, and it wouldn't continue. And then Canadians just started dominating them, it seemed. I mean, or would smother them, smother their forwards. So it it was really disappointing, that series, and the way it did. I think it taught us not to read as much into game one, which we'll get to in the final here. But Montreal lost game one pretty handily to – or they won game one against Toronto, but they lost game one uh, in that Vegas series pretty good, but got their legs under them. Tampa Bay 
having lost game one the last series too. So you can regroup. Yeah, you, you can, can get back to normal. I just think that Vegas is going to have to try to, and it's going to be tough because of the cap projections. They're going to have to try to get that big score, that top line center, that big guy, and that's what's I think holding them back because. When, when the going gets tough, you're going to need to go to the blue paint and score goals. Montreal can do it. Tampa's shown they can do it. The Islanders have even proven they point. can do it. <laughs> well, Brady and Point, just a, a, another thing. Um, so props to the Habs for getting there. The Tampa Bay Lightning get to the final by beating the Islanders in a heck of a series. Yeah, let's start with Brady and Point since you brought him up. It was the second most all-time. It was stopped in Game 7. It was nine straight goals, games with a goal scored. Second only to Swanee's childhood hero, <laughs> Reggie Leach, or one of them. And he's now on a two-game losing streak because he hasn't scored a goal now in two games. <laughs> I know. He's a bum now, apparently. Uh, Braden Point, who was a third-round draft pick in the 2015 NHL draft, 2014 NHL draft, I think. The Dreisaitl pick is the only one that makes sense over him, but mm -hmm. so many teams yeah. passed on a guy I that mean, good. Yeah, you go to any sport, and there's always guys like that. You just don't know until they start playing, and... He's really, really. I mean, even last night he's had had a couple chances, and he's good. Good release of the puck. He gets up, you know, in the slot where he needs to be. You know, he's one of the players that could score like that. And well, here's here's the dirty area. Here's something I I agree, and and here's something with these teams that you know in all sports, but especially hockey, that make these runs. You're going to have to come back after a heartbreaking loss. You're going to have to overcome adversity. Game six goes down in the Coliseum. Tampa Bay's up two no, two nothing. Up 2-1 late in the third. Scott Mayfield scores on one of the prettiest snipes, you know, we've seen. Yeah. And Blake Coleman just completely gives that puck away in overtime, and they lose. Yes. So they lose that game. The Coliseum's going crazy. Last home game ends up being the last game ever. Game good for them. They're throwing <laughs> stuff onto the ice, <laughs> even though they won. What would have happened if they lost? I know. Uh, That's right. right. I remember texting you something about the yeah. Cleveland Browns. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> lost that game to the Jaguars when, well, they technically didn't get completed. Yeah. <laughs> but... but you know, that happens, and you got the Islanders saying, everybody's saying it smelled like beer and cigarettes in there. <laughs> it's pretty tough to get back on your horse and go, even though they had the game at home, but it's tough to regroup and say we got this, and, you know, game seven, they really shorted it down, and they won ugly. They won with grit. It yeah. wasn't a high-scoring game, and they got that goal, the shorthanded goal by Yanni Gord early in the second period, and they just played a very efficient, conservative style. They weren't trying to be freewheeling, and they did what they needed to do to win. Yeah, and that's how you win playoffs games. You, you can't be freestyling and entertaining. You have to do that, shut them down. A lot of times it backfires, you know? Yeah, <laughs> because, that's, it's a fine line. Because, yeah, because teams press. In, in regular season, eh, sometimes it's like they don't, I don't, they press, but it's not the same. Playoff hockey is do or die. I mean, yeah, well, it's those <laughs> stats in hockey that are misleading, right? Like, a lot of times, the team with more shots or the team that's trailing and they're just firing pucks at the net. Yeah. Same with hits. If you're behind, you're going to be going you know, nuts trying to catch up. When you're that team with the lead, how do you stay aggressive but not be too overly aggressive? Yeah. So Tampa did a great job. And for anybody that says a, a one nothing game is boring, just watch that game. <laughs> the last four minutes oh, were insane. Let's talk about watching the game because NBC, NBC Sports, most of the series was putting just the mailing truck. it in. Well, the Olympic just trial, mailing it in, and then they ship it to USA. I don't have USA. <laughs> yeah, you were a little slow on the start time of some of the games, oh but my God. yeah, just just mailing it in. As At we least get the ready. rest of the series won't be on USA. No. I thought that uh, you know not having Kucherov for all of Game Six, and then Game Seven he looked okay. He's mm. still getting back. That was big, but this team's depth just wears you down. Guys yeah. like Gore, guys like Palat. 
Uh, Chernak had a nice goal last and, night. And I mean, get, and getting Kucherov onto the roster after the playoffs doesn't yeah. count against the cap hit. So I they know. didn't have to trim any cap during the regular season. I mean, look, because I, of doing that. I, I think we're both biased here and in going back to back in any sports tough. And I know in football, you know, it's one and done, but going back to back in hockey, just the miles you put on Stamkos didn't play much of all of the cup last year. He is still banged up, although yeah. for other reasons too. I mean, it's just a physical grind. And the fact that, you know, we have Tampa back into the final with, with, and play, I mean, it's just phenomenal. Is it three out of the four years they were in the final, did they? That was back in 15. Okay. 15. Yeah, so it's been a while. But I got to also mention Vasilevsky, who's more than likely going to win the Vezina Trophy. He, after every loss, he seems to bounce back with the win. And this is his fourth straight series, third in this playoffs alone, where he has a shutout in the elimination game. Yeah, and last get to last night, just that beautiful save on um, Shea Weber. Yeah. That breakaway? I know. Shea Weber not used to having a breakaway. <laughs> How did he get a breakaway? He went for. He just went top shelf. I thought he was going to shoot low and just crash the boards, you know. Um, but Vasilevsky, uh, friend of uh, friend of ours at Tennis Channel, the the broadcaster Ted Robinson, who was an Islanders fan. We got a lot of Islanders fans here with him and Paul Anacom, but. You know, he's talking about that to me, and he's like, Vasilevsky's so big, it's like, how do you score on him? And, uh-huh. and his size really does make the difference because he's got elite-level athleticism. And if you combine that with just how clutch he's been in big games, that is the best goalie in the world right now. Yes, and, and well, here's the deal. You have somebody at least on the other side that can match him. Well, that's that's my, if I'm building, if I'm marketing this series, not NBC Sports Style Marketing because they're kind of just mailing it in <laughs> last year of the contract, which I understand. But it's the best goalie in the world versus the best goalie of his generation. Yes. Because it really is. Yes. And Carey Price can match him. He's done a lot last night in a lot of games they've lost where it could have been way worse. Uh-huh. He's making some <laughs> big saves. He had the save on Tyler Johnson last yes. night. And last night it was 2-1 to one going into the third yeah. period. It could have been easily 4 nothing at a point in that second period. Tyler Johnson all the way on the fourth line. You know, people yeah. forget that. Uh-huh. Um, but no, the, other, the last thing on game seven I want to say with the Lightning Islanders, it's uh, a prop. Big props to the Islanders, what they did without their captain, uh, Andersley, Andersley, uh, Lou Lamorello building another another just great team, great organization. They're not that far off either. I mean, this is two times in a row, two final four row. going out to Tampa. Game six OT last year, game seven this yeah. year. They're really close. And that's the key. And yeah. that's what Tampa was. The same thing. They built and they were good for a few years. Columbus mm-hmm. really took it to them that one playoff series. Damn right. <laughs> but, but, you know, they build a nice solid team and it shows when you go back to back like that and you know you're building something good especially yeah. the honors and they went a deep run they did they did also want to give a shout out to one of my favorite players in the last 10 years or so in the nhl ryan mcdonough great game plays true defense yes. you know doesn't try to <laughs> join the rush he's he's always blocking shots he's making plays he's mm. had a great game seven and a great game one for tampa uh, the Rangers farm system. Yeah, they, they gave him <laughs> away for next to nothing. I do think the Islanders, the difference with Tampa, it's a great comparison, but they need to get more of that skill type. Tampa needed the grit that the Islanders have, So, but still very close. Uh, Craig Swanson here on the Money Mitch Effect. We already have game one of this series that Tampa took a one nothing lead. It ended up being 5-1 to one late. A couple quick thoughts. Number one being 
there was a lot of like, I don't want to say fluky goals, but we had some weird bounces in that game last night. We had yeah. a couple pinball goals. Kucherov oh, just throwing one at the net. Yeah, yeah. Was it Weber that tried to glove it and it went yeah. off his glove? And I think Chirot I think might have had that one. But yeah, there was a lot of flukes and a, a lot of weird bounces. But Tampa, the better team. Kucherov had his A-level game last night, Three which points. is <laughs> a nightmare for, for Montreal. But that game got violent in the third. And that, that to me, Swanee, was that's how series end up being game yeah. one, second, third period. We're like, Whoa, this is already intense. Yes. And that, and that keeps you watching the game too. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't, I didn't turn off the game because I'm like, okay, let's see what's going to happen here because That's these funny. guys look like something's going to, it was, it was, um, it was Islanders lightning. One of the games and I'm texting a buddy back home and he talks about getting to a bar and wanting the hockey on. Cause it's always an issue getting the hockey on at a bar. And the guy bartender puts it on. He's like, it's three nothing late. Like, why do you want this game on? He's like, I'm here for the melee. <laughs> it's, like, it's not over yet. Yeah. There's still some intensity. And sure enough, there was. Um, one of the guys who has been a huge player for Tampa, I just saw it today, questionable for game two, Alex Kalorn, after he blocked that shot, took a gnarly bruise, looks like on the inside of the leg, where he, you know, he gave his stick off to a defenseman. So he stickless, gets down, weighs out. I think, I think Montreal was on the power play. That would be a loss. I think he does a lot of everything mm-hmm. for Tampa. And he, I mean, as another, what, second, third-line guy is just a, a phenomenal piece. So that would be, they'd feel that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but I just, I said it about the Golden Knights. Nobody's going to beat the Golden Knights. Well, I I, I just mm-hmm. looked at that game last night. Oh, nobody's going to be, beat Tampa Bay. Game one, that's the thing. You get your <laughs> legs. Like, they got run pretty good. Montreal did in Vegas. You can get your legs, and, and they're great on the rush. Caulfield had a few chances. They were they were pressing a little bit. Yeah, Chirot had some huge hits. There was some there was some good clean hitting in that yeah. one, too. Weber got a 5K slash for Kucherov. Oh, yeah. Kucherov had a rough shift that. within, like, 20 seconds. He gets slashed <laughs> and then crossed in and the what face. What was the ref looking at? Oh, the ref was right there. <laughs> he got chopped Shea down. Weber. I can think of a, a lot of things more enjoyable than getting <laughs> slashed by Shea Weber. But the power play is another thing. Montreal had been unbelievable on the yeah. kill. Now the you're first, going against probably the best power play in hockey uh, that rolls a lot of five forwards. I think they had one last night. If I'm not, I know they broke broke the Canadians. Yeah, streak. they they had it. I think it was the five one goal. The five one goal that they had all forwards out there late, and you know, are they rubbing it in? I don't necessarily yeah. think it's that. I think they wanted to break the streak and get a power yeah. play was goal that to get momentum. Stamkos? Yeah. yeah, that one time. Yeah, you, you five <laughs> on three, five forwards. Um, that that was a hilarious power play because you had Montreal guys just taking runs at Kucherov, <laughs> like on a five on three, <laughs> just yeah. pretty good. But no, I, I think guys like Brendan Gallagher who got a, a gnarly looking gash on his head, you know, on a on a fall in a scrum in front of the net. That's how Montreal can even this series up. Guys like him, guys like Corey Perry getting inside, making life miserable. Both Vasilevsky and, and Carey Price are so good at, at making the first save mm-hmm. that you're going to have to throw bodies. Yeah, you have to get the lucky lucky goal. Redirect. I, I heard uh, Boucher talk on the broadcast last night. It was a good point. Tampa was shooting for redirects. Mm-hmm. You know, They were shooting it just off to the side trying to get those yeah. tips because these guys are that good. And, and you, what we saw last night was – you never want to say it's over early, but the team that scores first, huge advantage in any series, in any game, yeah. let alone this one with uh-huh. your elite goalie. It's like a pitcher in baseball. If you get that early lead with a great yeah. starter, it's tough. It's a tough task. And I think Tampa's 12-2 and two maybe in the playoffs winning uh, when they score first. I think I think that's what they said last night. So, And, and now you take a one, uh, one game lead. Ebbs and flows. You, you, 
and Canadians, this next they're desperate. Is important. They're yeah. desperate. They're coming at it. They always say get the split, so we'll see. Yeah, and that's what happened last time. They didn't take game one. They were able to bounce back, yeah. you know. I think that's going to be really exciting to see. Tampa's capacity of fans is like 16,000 now. Montreal's trying to get up to 10 when they yeah, come they back. Yeah, they asked for 10. Montreal yeah. had quite the uh, environment outside the arena. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that this... You know, another guy we name we haven't said, Victor Hedman. He's played okay for his standards. It could be a little better. Mm-hmm. It's kind of scary to think that there's another level for Tampa to go, but yeah. there are guys that could step up a little more. But it's good that you're not hearing his name and they're doing this well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know. I think the thing with Montreal is I like that the way that their roster is built, but and I like the fact that they have Caulfield and they have Toffoli and guys that can score. But you know you can't win a shootout style against Tampa Bay. Mm. So you're going to have to grind it out, and you're going to have to pick your spots. Um, you know, Tampa's – the other thing Tampa's great at is when they get the lead, they just don't even, like, shoot the puck anymore. Mm-hmm. They're so focused on defense that yeah. they're just going to smother you the other way. So, Well, I, Canadians smothered uh, the Golden Knights, mm-hmm. and I didn't think that was going to happen. So no. they can do it. They're the, the playbook is there. They just got to execute. So I'm going to say Tampa in six. I think they clinch. In I think Montreal. Tampa in five. Five. Okay. Clinch <laughs> back home. I think we. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a tough one. But I, I'm gonna go with Tampa in six. Uh, it'd be nice if uh, we could get some parity here. And if Montreal wins the cup, I mean they're a team of destiny. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, a couple more hockey things with Craig Swanson before we wrap this up. I saw a big news story today. Vegas gets the All Star game next yep. year. So when are we buying our tickets? I know. Let's get them and resell them. Yeah. <laughs> and I just then get them at the you know start of the game for cheap. <laughs> and who's that first post All Star suspension going to be <laughs> for the NHL for having too much fun? And I saw the Sabers hired Dan Granado today. Yep. He's Not back. Tony Granado. Dan yeah, Granado. Yeah, he's coming back. It could work. I mean, the, the the problem with the Sabres is that they have so many issues with Eichel and what's the roster even going to look like for yeah. him. Uh-huh. And look, if you're going to just want that stability from carrying over, at least from last you got to give him years then because this is like, I mean, depending on what the talent looks like, uh-huh. the Eichel sweepstakes are going to be huge. Kings are going to be in them. I know that uh, I think Vegas is probably going to try to get in there. There's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be pushing for him. Oh, so. Nugent Hopkins was uh, just... Got extended. Yeah, it was, you know, 41. very Edmonton-like, where it was a fair deal, but way too many years. Yeah. You know, like five mil or so is five fair, a year. but well, eight years, yeah, it's like... that's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it averages out, like you said, the five mil, but, oh my God, that's Mike Richards kind of, you know... I actually boy. like, yeah, I, I like Nugent Hopkins, but that's a lot. Yeah, you never know. I you yeah. hope it's not a Mike Richards situation. <laughs> uh, and I saw the uh, crack and hired Dave Haxtell as their head coach. Former Flyers guy, oh, second really? job. We'll see if he learned from the mistakes he made from Philly, yeah. which I'm hearing were being like a college coach with pros, you know, yeah. being a little too rigid. We'll see. Starting an expansion program, though, could be good for a, for a coach from that college world because going to be a lot of young guys and you can kind of build, and you're not in the Philly market where they're just going to be yeah. ravaging. And they have a great logo. So. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, all right, Swanee, this was fun. Before I let you go, uh, we'll, we'll touch on a few other things. One being, you know, we are in the tennis world and we're doing this right after Serena just fell and, and is out of Wimbledon. So that's a big story. And I, and I dare, I say it was, it was tragic, but it's probably, you know, we're getting to the tail end of a legendary career and I just don't know how many more chances she's going to have. Yeah. There, I don't think there's, it'll be us open if she could rebound from this injury. It was, I don't know if it's a knee, but she tried to go and just, collapsed trying to reverse course for a ball and it didn't work and she screamed and 
I, I mean, U.S. Open's coming up pretty soon, so yeah, and it, she has to get work. I worry about <laughs> I worry about her lack of match play, similar to Federer, who advanced yeah. on a guy slipping today yeah. as well. A lot of slips but, today. You know. Not only has she lost and, you know, she hasn't gotten that 24th major, a lot of her last major appearances have resulted in an injury or a compromised yeah. health. She finishes these matches except for today, but, you know, she's 39. She'll be 40 in, in a couple right. months. It's, she just, to me, she just doesn't play enough. Yeah, I same mean, thing with Federer, too. I mean, it's the only way these players are touring professionals. Yeah. And there's some good players coming yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one to watch. We'll be on Djokovic watch because it looks like 20 is inevitable this year. But the women's side, a lot of unpredictable names and yeah. a lot that could happen. Does a, you know, a seasoned vet like Barty, does she break through again at Wimbledon or does someone like Coco Goff in the younger Ooh, generation? Oh, Coco would be nice. Yeah. And Serena was in her section, so that opens up a little bit for her. Yeah. So we'll see. Last, last question. What are the chances Tom Brady was talking about the Raiders? He <laughs> said, you're going to stick with that I, I heard he wasn't, but I could see he was. You could see him saying that. If, like, I mean, what has Derek Carr won, like, right? There's no reason to stick. Like, If you found out that the Raiders were like, instead of Tom Brady, we'd rather stick with Carr, you would be mad. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after he just won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I, don't I, don't, I think it was San Francisco. I'm guessing there. I think it was. Uh, I think it was the Niners and Jimmy G. Uh, I mean, going back home. I mean, Derek Carr is not a bad person, and every, a lot of people like him. So I did, can't see that's how you. Using. That's something you say about a good football player: <laughs> not a bad person, <laughs> likable. Uh, that's what the team well. that hasn't won a playoff <laughs> game in twenty years. Solid member of his community. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. Football's around the corner. Craig Swanson, fun as always. Thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. You got it. All right, huge thanks to Swanee. Loves his hockey, loves his Raiders. See what Derek Carr can give him next year. But a lot going on. Game two tonight in Tampa. See if Montreal can even it up or if Tampa gets one game closer to a repeat as Stanley Cup champions. All right, now it's time to talk NBA with Ryan Souls. We break down the Clippers Suns series that got extended by those gritty Clippers, what the Suns can do to finish and make the finals for the first time since 93, and some Bucks hawks which was recorded as Game 4 was going on before we knew Giannis was hurt. So, you know, it, it, was, it was a very fascinating discussion. Now in context, the series looks a lot different. We look at the Ben Simmons situation, how his season ended terribly for Philly, what's next for them if they move on, and Dame Lillard as well looking to make a move potentially out of Portland. Not officially yet, but we'll see there who are some suitors for him. It's Ryan Souls talking hoops now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect to talk NBA Conference Finals and much more. Ryan Souls, friend of the program, joining again. Ryan, thanks for joining. Uh, down to four teams in the NBA and definitely not the four we had in mind. Man, who would have ever thought this? And I, I bet the one person, the two people who went to Vegas and said, this is how, good, how it's going to work out, They uh, their bank accounts are pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah, a lot to dive into. I just want to say, first of all, I mean, in general, I think parity is good. I think the NBA was probably the one major sport that was lacking in the last couple of years. I mean, really, last couple of decades, I should say. So mm-hmm. while it might not have always been, you know, the best basketball, the injuries are unfortunate. No one wants to see that, though. I think we can start with it's good that, you know, there's some unpredictability in the playoffs, finally. Absolutely, man. And, you know, we have been talking about this kind of, 
offline a lot, but there's parody, and then on the other side, it's kind of the the seeing the new breed what the what the future of the NBA is going to look like. You know, really for the last twenty years or so, the NBA coverage vacuum has either been centered around LeBron James or really the Lakers. With you know, with Kobe Bryant won those titles, and that's kind of where the coverage has been and more really with the, the 20 teens more about LeBron. So not having him and Anthony Davis in the playoffs and Kevin Durant being out in the second round, we had no choice, but to really look at the future of the NBA. And I think the future is in good hands. I completely agree. I think we're seeing young players step up, earn their stripes in the playoffs specifically, and, uh, you know, take the career into their own hands and really rewrite the narrative that's for them. Um, start with the Western Conference where it's we're going into Game 6, Clippers and the Suns, where the Clippers keep fighting back. and The Suns have gotten up to that 3-1 lead. It's now 3-2. Um, just, just a note on uh, Game 5 itself. Ryan, I'm going to start with this. I obviously think he's a Hall of Fame player, but I was a little irritated by Chris Paul last night as we record this. Just, just don't like all the fouls he's trying to get. Yeah, me. Yeah, me either. It's like he's been watching a bunch of Trey Young, and just the. I don't like the. Well, yeah, James Harden. That that rule is changing, and I and I think that's the right move. I think it's, you know, the next step is we got to figure out a way to make sure that the game moves along because we saw the end of Game Two in this series where it took mm-hmm. over a half hour to play ninety seconds. The review processes are too long, and you know I think there needs to be stakes somehow. Um, you know, and, and I equate this to in, in hockey, if you challenge something and you get it wrong, it's a penalty. You know, what can we do in the NBA to make it to incentivize that? Okay, you can challenge, but if you're wrong here, there's something that's going to be taken away from you. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely think you have to punish just the the flagrant use of challenges and the all the the, the clock stoppages. But I think a bigger issue to me is we were trending this way before the challenges kind of were in in stone in the NBA. I think the the instant replay system, video system, I don't understand how it takes that long to really determine much of anything. And, you know, you and I talk about this. You could literally call traveling on every play, just like in the NFL. You could call holding on every play. So when we have all these stoppages and these are trained professionals, these NBA officials looking at this stuff, if you can get 98% of the game right on just your eye, whatever call you make stands, well, how come that last 2% has to take 98% of the time? Yeah. And that that's kind of my problem. And, and I don't know how you fix it uh, because instant replay, you know, and I, I've always been a proponent of getting it right. But I do think we hit a point where perfection can be the enemy of, of good. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I think you got to just live with that margin of error, you know. And mm-hmm. sports in general got to the point where they said we value so much the offhanded egregious call going against the other team that we're going to review everything. And I think it's disrupted the flow of the game because it's creating new timeouts. It's creating momentum. It's halting momentum in a lot of way, and it's disrupting the flow of the game. So. Uh, enough on that. I just wanted to bring that up to say that you know the Suns are still up three to two. They lost the chance to close it out to the Clippers. Who, whatever happens this playoffs, Ryan in the future, you know Kawhi Leonard has been a Hall of Fame level talent. 
winning multiple championships for multiple organizations, but the health thing is unfortunately not consistent. This year, the Clippers under Coach Tyron Liu have shown a tremendous amount of grit. You know, they have bounced back and answered the bell. You know, still alive now at every challenge, down 2-0 in two ser- in three series now, and still showing tremendous. So whatever happens with the Clippers, I think that is something to really hang your head on. Yeah, grit, you know, mental toughness, you know, just solid play has never really been words we associate with Clippers basketball. And just to see, you know, Coach Lou taking, you know, taking this team to a next step and really, you know, I have to give credit where it's due. Paul George, you know, eating everything the media has given him, coming out still looking like, a pandemic P sometimes and then sometimes turn it into playoff P and it seems like yeah he's he he still is having some non-clutch moments from the time to time but I think the difference between this year and the bubble is really what's happening to Giannis now is that maybe he just doesn't care he he's okay with the failure he doesn't care about having a come answer for a shot selection or a missed free throw maybe Coach Lou has gotten him to just be in love with the process part of it and living with the results, how they come. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this later, but I know you and I have gone back and forth. You know, I think we agree, but about coaching in the NBA and its impact when you have stars and only five guys on a roster. But I think in the playoffs is when coaching really can show separate, you know, who's really good at it and who's not. And I think it's evident and, Tyron Lue's situation that he is a coach ready for the playoffs mm-hmm. he's so good in elimination games and we got to give him credit too yeah I think the coaching aspect in the NBA is more along the lines of you know improving the psyche making sure the players are buying in and 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 mm-hmm. you know, adjusting understanding your message and yeah adjustments that also goes to adjusting the rotation which the Clippers have done depending on who they mm-hmm. play and on depending on who is playing well. Reggie Jackson is another guy that's stepped up unbelievably so during this playoff run, Terrence Mann and, and obviously Paul George. Now, they they are fighting, but I don't know, you know, I know they get a game at home, they've lost some playoff games at home. What the Suns are doing when Devin Booker's on, Chris Paul, I definitely thought game three was sluggish because he hadn't played with the COVID situation there. So, you know, I think the mm-hmm. Suns, the way they're trending – Aiton taking that leap too, for all the credit that Trey Young gets deservedly so, Aiton in that same draft class has proven into what we think Ryan is maybe the future of the five position in the NBA. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think he is the best big man in our center, really, not named Jokic or Embiid. And I think particularly in that last game, on the potential closeout game for Phoenix, I think Aiden was screaming for some opportunities and he's a young player. I don't think he's maybe comfortable enough being demonstrative and, you know, demanding the ball, especially when you have Chris Paul and Devin Booker on your team. But at the clip that he's been shooting the ball at, how easily he can get plays just in the flow of the offense without having to call plays for him. I think Monty Williams and that team really missed in it, uh, missed an opportunity to have, have him taken advantage of smaller guys defending it. When Zubach was out, you know, there there really wasn't a map there, and, and Nicholas Batum really can't defend Aiton if he puts his back to the basket, and I think they got to take advantage of that too. 
I agree. I think Devin Booker has shown the ability to take over games and take over games late. They need Chris Paul's stability to still you know, run the offense, and it's who's going to step up outside of those premier players. Campaign getting hobbled, uh, you know, he's really stepped into a role, what, what he can offer too. Also putting up with the Clippers, another guy like Pat Beverly and, and you know, what he does. Cousins is similar too in Morris. The, the Clippers have some grit and some scrappy guys that play on the edge. So how the Suns keep their head in the remaining games of this series is going to be important. But, Ryan, do you see the Clippers coming back, or do you think the Suns find a way to close them out here? You know, I'm, I'm 50-50 on this. I think I'll say this. I think the pressure has definitely shifted back to Phoenix. Uh, I think the Clippers at this point have been playing with a little bit of house money. No Kawhi Leonard. They were supposed to get closed out uh, last night. They didn't lay down, and I think – with Chris Paul and him never been to an NBA Finals, and I think multiple the rest of his team knowing that, yeah, multi- yeah, yeah, multiple three-one leads. I just you got to think that in his mind he doesn't want to see a game seven, and if he presses in a game six, we all know what could happen in a game seven. So I still like Phoenix. I think. They will close out in six games, but if it ended up going to seven and it was a take them, I I could see that too. I like the Suns in game six also because, and this isn't a complete knock, but the Clippers' home situation isn't necessarily the scariest environment to go into. I think we can agree on that one. And I think the Absolutely. Fact, and I think the fact that I think the fact that the Clippers have lost, they've stumbled at home in this series as well. They're a great road team in the playoffs. The numbers show that. But at home, there have been issues there. So I think the Suns can do it. I think they need to just play a consistent game. You know, the Clippers, Suns have had some bad starts. They started off lousy last game, and they've given up uh, a lot of runs in this series as well, too. So I would say the Suns uh, get to the finals, as strange as that sounds. But it's either going to be the Suns or the Clippers. So (laughs) hard to wrap it around that. It really is. I mean, and it's hard to wrap your head around any of these four teams remaining going to the finals just because in our lifetime, we really hadn't seen it. No, no. Nobody, uh, it hasn't happened unless uh, you remember the Suns way back when in 93. Right. Looking at the Eastern Conference now with Ryan Souls here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, as we record this, we have game four in progress of the Bucks leading that series against the Hawks two games to one. Uh, Hawks are leading at the end of the quarter by a couple points. But the big story in this one, Ryan, is no Trey Young, which uh, really is unfortunate because there's been a lot of injuries throughout the uh, course of the year. We know how good Trey Young has been and, and how he's captivated the team and the league uh, to get the Hawks to the conference final and an improbable run there. But you, well, you can't loop this injury in with any fatigue-related injuries or any injuries of guys breaking down because that is a complete fluke what happened to him stepping on the ref's foot and it could have happened at any time or place absolutely you said it perfectly 100 percent a complete fluke i think even more flukish than what happened to Kyrie when he was uh, jumping and landing on another player that's more common than what happened with trey because he easily could have just stepped on the ref's foot and the ref could have had a sore toe in the morning and nothing else happened mm-hmm. but the fact that he stepped on his foot and turned his ankle is, is flukish man feel terrible for a variety of reasons one ryan i mean i don't know if the hawks win this game it's amazing it's a true testament of character it's a true test of nate mcmillan even with the lead i don't necessarily see that happening 
Uh, it would be a brutal loss for the Bucks, who have a chance to take a, tr- tr- a commanding lead in this series and close out at home. But you know, this is this is a, a very fortunate Bucks team now that has gotten to go through the Nets without going against their big three. Really, just a big one with Harden being as hobbled as he was, and now the Trey Young injury. So I feel, in a sense, like it's a bad situation because. There's going to be those people that say the Bucks basically had the easy path to the final now. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think somebody's always going to try to make that argument for any team that wins a championship and in whatever year. I think, you know, you and I know, especially the, the main sport we follow, football, that you need some luck to go your way to win mm-hmm. a title. And the Bucks, I think, would have 100% caught the best of luck in the Brooklyn Nets series because Kevin Durant just – put on the show of shows and even if Harden had never played, if Kyrie hadn't gotten hurt, I think we'd be having a completely different conversation right now anyway. So with that being said, the Bucks are still left. They're the, the last one standing. And I think for a bunch of teams, um, the Suns, the Bucks, you know, Trey's young. So I think he, you know, we think he'll have some more opportunities. But for Giannis and Chris Paul, this is going to be the maybe the best chance they have to win. Yeah, it's like the whole league uh, got a break that the Nets got hurt, you know, because I don't, I think we mm-hmm. have a whole conversation across the league. Which uh, before I before I forget, Ryan, I don't know if you saw the open to uh, to this game on TNT. I don't know if you watched that. I did. No, I didn't. I mean, it's why it's the best show in television. But Barkley said they should, Barkley said they should start Jeff Teague, who's not on the team anymore. And then Shaq called, <laughs> Shaq called him a big dummy, and they messed with him for the last minute before they went to break. Just phenomenal. That's amazing. <laughs> Just phenomenal. That's a, it I is, uh, it is yeah the best show. It's the best. Um, Giannis has been great down the stretch in a lot of these games, and you know Chris Middleton, he's the one that. You know, and I like Drew Holiday. I don't want to, you know, discredit him, especially on the defensive end. But Middleton is kind of what—he's the one that can adjust the ceiling, so to speak, with this team, because he was amazing in Game Three, outscored the entire Hawks team in a, in, a, in a game that was close at times with the Bucks trailing. But he's the guy that I think, if he plays well, if he hits that star level status, Ryan, I think they can beat anyone, especially anybody remaining. And he's the guy you look to to compliment Giannis, and at times, you know. Because of how Giannis plays and his game's not predicated towards shot making, Middleton's a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands in a lot of these key moments. Yeah, and and I think especially you know with this series one because when Trey Young was healthy, Drew Holiday was having a hard time defending him. So having that extra offense for Middleton at the end of half end of games was huge. And then I think secondly, and maybe even more importantly. Giannis, you know, saying this publicly and Giannis even playing this way, he is not afraid of accepting or admitting that Middleton or Holiday is a better closer than he is for the style of basketball that they play. And the fact that he's willing, you know, to give the ball up and to do all the little things really gives them the best chance, you know, to win this year. You know, if they get out of this series, you know, with everybody healthy, I think, you know, they could really win a title with Giannis being okay deferring at the end of the game. And like you said, if Chris Middleton can at least turn into a star for the finals, I think they could really want to run away with the title if he keeps playing like this. 
I, I, I don't know about run away. I'll, I'll push back a little there because I think that if the Suns get past this test, a really weird series with the Clippers, I like that. I like how they match up in theory with the Bucks. I think it's a fascinating coin flip series where I would mm. I would agree that I think the Bucks with Middleton on are the better team. But he's also I yeah. mean, game one he was completely cold down the stretch when Atlanta came back and won. So he it's was. Not, it's not a guarantee. And even in game three, he played poor at times as well. Um, mm-hmm. Giannis, who's just been playing well, and uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. I think the Hawks, with Trey Young especially, it's just been remarkable to watch him play. And I say this in sports all the time. I mean, the league needs villains, and Trey is a Absolutely. villain, and he loves just sticking it to the to the opposing crowd. I think that's great for the sport. Absolutely, and you know, and I, I'm not tuned in to other fan bases or whatever, so I don't, I don't really, I can't even really put anything to this, but. It seems like Trey is just really an on-court villain. Like, there's no – like, I don't think people hate Trey Young. I just think people hate seeing what he does to their squads. And I think unlike a, you know, a Ron Artest or someone who's, you know, more physical, a, a Bill Lambeer or Rick Mahorn, like, he's not that type of villain. Well, okay, I agree <laughs> – the last stuff, like yeah, he's not Ron Artest or Rick Moore. Very few people. <laughs> like are. he ain't that. T- like he, like, but you know. But I think we love the difference. A, a bunch is, of people into that yeah, word, and right. I think Trey Young I'll, just gets down, I'll, and he don't care. I'll do my best to kind of why I think he is a little bit more than just the guy that beats your team. I think with that rule that we talked about at the beginning, I think there's a lot of man. This guy gets every call by falling to the floor when he shoots. I think that's the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. Thing. And that is, uh-huh. why, that, that is why there's a little more not just the best player on the team. There's a guy who, you know, is getting the James Harden calls already. And, look, he's playing his way into deserving those calls. But it is early in his career, too. And that's something that yes. I think, you know, we, we saw it with Dwayne Wade in the finals in 06 when he was, you know, third, fourth year in the league and got calls that Kobe and LeBron would never get. Seriously. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It happens. But, no, I, I think it's good. And, yeah, it's it's not on the edge. It's not over the edge, and I think that's good as well, too. Um, Ryan, before we uh, wrap up the basketball talk, which I think we're both going to go Bucks here to win this series. I'm, I'm not speaking out of turn. I think that's right. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be Bucks like suns Bucks suns would be a, be a very interesting final. Uh I did need to get your thoughts on Ben Simmons because we haven't talked about this on the air. Uh, that was just a, a disaster. I mean, how his season finished and the fact that this was who is touted by many as the next LeBron or the closest thing to LeBron or, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He hasn't gotten better in four years. I mean, maybe as a defender, yeah. but that's about it. Like, you know, there's some serious things here. Now Philly is – the reports coming out of Philly is they are actively looking to – move on and make a clean break here so just just amazing how it's gotten to this point it really is and you know i think and it kind of gotten worse year by year but i think he had the benefit one of winning rookie of the year and since then he's made an all-star team every year he's been in the league so i think when you know your your other star up until this season, wasn't in shape, didn't really take it seriously. I think Ben Simmons got off a lot with a pass um, because of the expectations of the team. I think also a lot uh, got blamed on Brett Brown, too. And I think we fast forward to now, and like you say, Ben hasn't gotten any better. 
Um, Joel this year, I thought took a huge leap in terms of his conditioning and then For and sure. how he played every night until he got hurt. I thought he was going to win the MVP just with how dominant he was offensively and defensively. And I think two things. One, I think Brett Brown's looking pretty good right now. And I think two, Ben Simmons is going to need someone, some veteran who he respects enough to tell him about himself because I don't think he sees that in any of his peers. I don't think Embiid's in a position to really give him tough, honest, I love you, man, but you got to put out feedback that he's going to be receptive to. I don't, he does distract me as a guy who really listens to his coaches. I don't think he's disrespectful, but I don't know if he really listens to his coaches. So, I mean, he really needs, and, and Jimmy Butler, that hurt, it didn't work. So I think he needs someone with that clout, but with Jimmy Butler's mentality, who's going to hold him accountable to doing what he does in practice, because I guarantee you, we are going to see an Instagram video or two this summer, Ben shooting in some LA fitness. And we're going to talk about this narrative over again. And, you know, we're going to get to the playoffs and he's going to, um, we're going to say, oh, Ben Simmons shot 10 jump shots in the regular season again. And Doc has already come out and said that, you know, he refuses to, you know, hold him accountable to shooting in that regard. And real quick, I know I'm talking a lot here, but if the Sixers, I, I, I'm with you, look to try to move him. But who wants to take on that contract and seeing what you just saw, I don't know what his value is. So yeah. you're going to take a loss in the deal. So I And I don't know how much flexibility you're really going to have in being able to move him. So I'm, they may be stuck with him, and they're going to have to figure something out. I don't mm -hmm. know if he can play point guard. I don't know what they can do, but they got to figure something out. Yeah, mentally he was just broken because you watched him he play was. and it wasn't even a skill thing at that point. He was just refusing to shoot in the fourth quarters of these games. Um, I know, I know the value is low at this time period, and I just think Daryl Morey again, Daryl Morey, analytics guy for sure. That's probably the worst form of basketball too for his <laughs> for what he wants, to, how he wants it to be actually played, and how he wants a roster to be built. So I, oh, I don't yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't care about what these players post online, you know, like them in an LA fitness, like you said. Like it's always yeah. annoying because the same stuff's gonna happen unless he changes his approach. And Doc Rivers should have never had him on the floor at the end of those fourth quarters later in the series. Okay. Okay. You know, but you run the risk of, well, that's gonna sever the relationship. Well, how could it get any worse than what's happening out here? So a hundred percent. I don't and, know. And my thing is also he's hard to move, but how do you look at the rest of the guys in the locker room in the eye and bring him back? Well, and Embiid, and the other side is Embiid is, like, openly talking about it now. Like, we saw the reaction of Embiid when Simmons didn't go up. The camera on him frustrated. What does he say in his mm -hmm. post game? The game really turned when we passed up a shot, a layup, and made one yep. free throw. I mean, that's the other thing. Embiid is the guy, for sure. He deserved it. He put the work in, and he's the main guy in Philly, and if he's not happy, well, you know, <laughs> you got to make your star happy, and that's your star. So I don't know what you do, yeah. but I do say I trust Maury to be creative in these situations. And there's still a lot of raw talent for Ben Simmons. But for everybody's sake, I think this Philly thing needs to end for him. And, you know, they got to try to piece something together because it just isn't working. They had to run plays for Embiid at the, in, the, in the seventh game at the top of the key where he was basically the ball handler, too, because Simmons wouldn't shoot. It was just, it was just bad. 
Um, yeah, it's, you it's know, horrible. horrible and, stuff. I think even more, this is a uh, a referendum on the process, and after all that, all that losing on purpose. <laughs> yeah. This is uh, you got Joel Embiid, the guy who can't shoot and never been to a conference finals. Well, uh, I do want to, uh, I do want to wrap it up with uh, another guy that may be available who can shoot, and that's Damian Lillard. Um, this is going to get pretty, pretty good. I mean, unless you're a Portland fan coming up, because that report by Chris Haynes. That was leaked by Lillard's team. Like, it definitely was. He hasn't refuted it. There was some really personal stuff in there. And, Ryan, there mm-hmm. was some, some notes in there about, you know, how how he loves the fans in Portland. That's something you say to kind of cover yourself when you're about to <laughs> ask your way out of it. So, I think he's Absolutely. really knocking on the door of, of exploring if the grass is greener on the other side. But the issue there is, of course, it is going to be hard to get this guy. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get him. And, you know, you're going to have to trade the farm for him. And, you know, I think that, you know, Dame is a loyal guy by all accounts we've heard. You know, he's not built, you know, in the super team sort of moniker. that That's not his deal. But I think, too, I'm sure he's great and close with Chauncey Billups. And I'm sure Chauncey Billups is going to do a really good job. But I think when you... When you fire, you know, with Terry Stotts, the coach, and you hire Chauncey Billups, and this is no knock to him, but if you're Dame Lillard, are, are you saying, okay, minus Stotts plus Billups with no other changes, what maybe we trade CJ, we get rid of Nurkic, does that bring us anywhere closer to a championship? Like, does having Chauncey Billups get you farther than what Terry Stotts got you you know, this coming yeah, season. I don't think I, I don't he's know. signed I off on that. I don't think he's signed off on the. I mean, he would. The report's basically like Billups is a coach, and it's like what Dame's reaction is, whatever, you know? Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I'm a, as long as I'm Portland Trailblazer, I'll play hard, but it's not like he's like, that's the guy, and that's what I wanted. And, you know, he the last two years of his deal are 24 and 25. 50 and 54 million he's owed with the Supermax deal. Mm. Just throwing that out there as well. And I know he's not – he's a loyal guy. He's not brought up in the super team era. I think you can pair him with the star, but I don't think he's going to go with the ring-chasing route and definitely not, you know, taking less money. It's going to be hard to put multiple superstars around that contract regardless of what mm-hmm. the salary situation is. But, you know, I, I think this is – you talked about a referendum on the process for the Sixers. Maybe this is a referendum for the new NBA building teams because – I don't know that it really worked building a team around two guards like that. Two, I don't want to say completely undersized, but you know, two guys under six foot five might be yeah, might not that, be how it's done. Absolutely, I don't know if it's yeah. I agree. Even if one of those guys under six five is so explosive, <laughs> but I I think too, you know, does this say anything about the supermax? Like, did, did it do what it was supposed to do in terms of keeping players? Yeah, because you know, it... that's a great point because we're getting to a situation where somebody is going to turn down, like, what, an extra $80 million and say it's not uh-huh. worth it to me with the chance to win, with endorsements, with all that stuff. I We can be critical of the NBA for a lot of things. I think their heart was in the right place for setting it up to where you're in, incentivizing players to stay loyal, especially to small markets. Mm-hmm. But it's not working. I mean, <laughs> look, look for all the big players are still going. 
exactly exactly so i just the, something something had to be done about that because like you said all the players are still going where they want to go and i'm i'm 100% for player agency and players dictating their futures but i think you know from a from a product standpoint you know it can suffer when you just have a balance uh or no balance rather where there's you know there was a point where watching the Warriors where Kevin Durant was a little bit fun, but after a while it just got, okay, let's just, let's get to the playoffs. Um, and it, the NBA already has problems with making their regular season relevant to those fans. And I think having super teams makes that even more difficult of a proposition because if, if people, even if it's not true, if people already feel like something's predetermined, they're not going to start watching until the stakes yeah. matter anyway. Yeah, it kills the regular season a lot. I mean, the playoffs are exciting, mm-hmm. but you know, playoff the, the regular season makes the money, makes most of the money for these home exactly. Arenas, so. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, I don't know what the what the rumors might be. I know the Lakers are always going to kick the tires. If he could end up in Philly and play with Embiid, that would be exciting. I don't know how that would work. That would work, be fun. Um, the other one I wanted to throw out at you is also if he goes to the Pelicans and plays with Zion, if we can make that work. I think that would be interesting, but I don't know if that I don't know if they're title contenders in the next three years. I just I don't know about no? that. Yeah, if Zion makes the lead I and mean, they build around it, I, I think they of all the of all the other teams. I mean. Lakers and Sixers, I think the Pelicans are more likely to give a package to Portland that that would be more enticing, but, you know. I I agree with that 100%. They absolutely would have the package, but I just think, so you Mm -hmm. would 100% lose Brandon Ingram in the deal. Yeah. And you're just looking at, okay. By the way, he has to say yes. Oh, yeah, he'd absolutely have to say yes. But to me, building a team around Dame and Zion Williamson, I, I think there's a definite ceiling there. Zion's growth in the league and i don't know if that ceiling is all that i i think how they get to that ceiling looks different than how they would get there in portland but i think the ceiling is at the same level for both teams remains to be seen but uh we got got a we got a champion this year and then get to the offseason after that ryan souls thanks again for joining the money mitch effect this was fun we'll be catching up soon sounds good bro thank you All right, huge thanks to both Ryan Souls and Craig Swanson for appearing on today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Latest on Giannis is a hyperextended knee. No word on, on how serious that is. We just hate to see any injury, let alone the number of injuries in this NBA playoffs. Hopefully he can come back and uh, we can have a competitive last couple games of that series. But thanks again to both guests. A reminder, you can check every episode of the Money Mitch Effect out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Search Money Mitch Effect. It will pop right up for you. All the episodes are on the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page, and you can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. Shout out to Josh Naylor. Hope he's doing okay after breaking his ankle for the Indians. It was a tough collision there. And uh, and more and more of these sticky substance checks in baseball. Only baseball. That's all I'll say for that. Uh, That's going to do it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. We'll be talking sports next week, continuing on these finals talks. As uh, July has crept upon us, we got Wimbledon, we got baseball, the winter sports still going, always a great time to be a sports fan, and training camp is right around the corner for the NFL. I'm Mitch Michaels, this was the Money Mitch Effect, until next time, keep enjoying sports.